Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. Today I'm joined by my good friend Reese to introduce our third hashtag friend of the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a good one. We have head brewer of Casey Beer Company, Carlton Graham, joining us today. Carlton, thank you so much for joining us. I know you are a busy guy, so we are honored to have you on. And I know our viewers are going to love hearing about you guys, especially you guys just winning a couple medals at GABF, which we'll talk about. But thank you for being on the podcast, Carlton. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, Carlton, when I first looked you up, I saw that you had a K in your name like Carlton with a K, and I was like, whoa, this dude is from Germany, probably. But you're from North Carolina, huh? <laughs> no, 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 I'm from Northern California. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I grew up in a very small town in a very sparsely populated um, county in Northern California in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Awesome, awesome. So uh, you yeah. ended up going to Kansas City right before you ended up doing the uh, brewing program with Siebel and with uh, the, the Duman program. Um, so what was your path from California to Kansas City? When did you start homebrewing, kind of getting into it? Well, I had actually homebrewed in um, a long time ago back in Sacramento, um, I guess for a couple of years. So that would have been 2007, 2008. I moved to Kansas City in June of 2009, and uh, I was worked for a, a large company, and I had essentially transferred, um, more or less, to a position here with the same company. But I didn't really like that job. It was it felt like torture every was day. It, I'm sure. Was it uh, was it Cerner? No, no, no. It was finance. It was finance related. Um, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. So I decided to change course, and this is before craft beer really exploded, and there were thousands and thousands of breweries. And I, at the time that I left to go to the Siebel program in February of 2012, I think there were only three breweries in Kansas City. I think it was 75th wow. Street, McCoy's, and Boulevard. And then, of course, Free State was operating in Lawrence. But, um, but yeah, back then it was like, well, I'm, I'm going to take this leap of faith that if when I get out of this, they called it the Master Brewing Program uh, through the Siebel Institute, um, that there would be some way to find a job somewhere, even though there were very few actual brewing jobs in Kansas City at the time. So it was definitely kind of a leap of faith and a big financial risk to spend all that money to do something that I didn't know would pan out to anything, but um, it turned out great um, because of the founder of Kansas City Beer Company, uh, Steve Hawley, just happened to yeah. be planning this brewery at this exact same time I went to that <laughs> brewing school, um, yeah. and we were able to connect, and um, I became uh, a super minority partner in the brewery, and I've been the head brewer since the day we started. Nice. So let's let, let's backtrack just a little bit, going back to your homebrewing days. So you homebrewed in Kansas City. There's only three breweries. Were you part of like a homebrewing club of like three people in Kansas City that were making AHA beer? Huge back then. <laughs> no, no, I never I never joined a club. Although um, I did look into joining a club, but didn't. Back then, in like 2009 and 10, there's something called the Lawrence Brewing Guild or Brewers Guild. I don't maybe I don't know the exact name of that, but I did send a couple emails and talk to them about joining. But I don't know. I was busy and I just wasn't 
wasn't in the cards for me to be part of the club, but I did enter some homebrewing competitions in the area. I remember uh, once entering a competition at 75th Street Brewery where Micah, who's now the head brewer at Stockyards, was judging beer with Pat Sandman, who actually no longer works at Boulevard, but did until not too long ago. And I remember, I think I got second place really in an IPA nice. competition there once yeah this goes back some years and I don't maybe I don't remember it clearly enough but yeah I, I was a home brewer and I entered competitions I took it pretty seriously and that's why when I you know figured boy I can't keep doing what I'm doing I, I chose to try to figure out a way to to work in beer yeah Oh, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting because like the home brewing like right now in 2020 is so huge, especially here where I live in Colorado. So I've always wondered like when it, when I was doing research on you and was listening to some of your craft beer magazine podcast stuff, I was like, I wonder what the scene was like in like the like early 2000s in Kansas City to do home brewing. So that's actually really interesting. Let's move on to some fun stuff, Carlton. So you go to the uh, Dumans uh, Brewing Institute, sorry if I got that wrong, uh, in Munich, and I'm sure podcasts want to know about the nitty gritties of like the program, but tell us the fun stories of being in Munich, like in the beer scene, like tell us all the fun <laughs> stuff of just being in that culture, man. Well, most of those stories have to do with going to beer gardens and drinking too much beer, um, so I'm not sure I want to. Out other people, but certainly there were some adventures. <laughs> yeah, certainly there were some adventures. Um, a, a couple of times getting home from the beer gardens, or even just some—I don't, you know—some weird run-ins with some strange international people that are also drinking too much in beer gardens in Munich or in the beer halls of Munich. Um, but nothing that crazy. I think we almost got in a fight with a Russian one night um, <laughs> and, uh, at the Hofbräuhaus. house. I mean, you he slammed. To. Do you remember what the fight was about? <laughs> yeah, the, he was really drunk and some guys I was with were making fun of him. And then he came and sat at the table with us in sort of a, a machismo type way, I guess, to sort of confront us for the teasing that he thought he was getting. And um, he ended up getting kind of upset. And I had just purchased three mass Krugs of Dunkel for me and my two buddies there at the table. Mm -hmm. And um, he ended up getting kind of upset and he started to pour his vodka. He was there at the Hofbräuhaus House drinking vodka of all things. But anyway, what? he started to pour his vodka into the tops of our three mass Krugs of Dunkel, which are expensive. And I got upset and actually grabbed my mashed Krug of Dunkel and threw it in his face. Just, oh. It just threw all the beer right into his face. And then he grabbed the closest, he grabbed the closest full mashed Krug of Dunkel for my friend Willie. He picked that up as high as he could and slammed it on the table as hard as he could. And it shattered into a million pieces and beer went absolutely everywhere. And he shattered that mug so hard that a oh piece my. of glass sh shot off and actually cut open the hand of another guy oh in our group. And he had to go get stitches. <laughs> so, And then that Holy. guy was dragged out of the Hofbräu house. The Russian guy that we were in this involved in this with got dragged out of the Hofbräu house by these very serious SWAT team looking cops. 
uh, <laughs> Munich Cot. So that, that's probably the most dramatic story I can tell you of drinking <laughs> beer in Munich. But there's there's more enjoyable stories than that. But yeah. Sure. Ah, oh, that's 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 awesome. That's awesome. Okay, now we can get into some of that nerdy stuff in Dumans. So when I when I research Dumans, there is a certification to be a water sommelier. Can you expand on that? And did you actually go into that program to like figure out qualities of water and stuff like that when it comes to the brewing process? No, that is new. That is new. You're talking about oh, tasting really? okay. water. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Like, or just learning the water chemistry of brewing beer? I think the water chem specifically to brewing beer and like the factors between and like what you have to know about oh. water when it comes to brewing beer. Uh, and I just wondered if well, that was something that was like specifically specialized in Dumans. And I was like, cause I've never heard of that before. And I, of course, quality of water is like one of the most, if not the most important thing for a brewery. Um, so I was wondering if like you had knowledge on that or if you had to go through like a rigorous process of knowing about no, water. No, I mean, I think that any trade education program, whether it's the American Brewers Guild or Siebel or UC Davis, or now there's things cropping up at Oregon State, and I think there's one in Atlanta now. Um, I mean, any program is going to spend some time on water. You've got to have a certain pH and a certain level of calcium, or just a certain um, you know balance of, of uh, minerals to get the right flavor profile depending on the kind of beer that you want to make. And there are certain water uh, qualities that are famous for making certain kinds of beer. So, I mean, any program I would think would teach you all of that, but we didn't have um, anything more specific. Like here's the water program. We didn't have that back when I did the program in 2012. But I mean, we spent plenty of time on water. Do you think water is gonna be one of the next frontiers for making higher quality beer? Because I mean, I know it's not free, but it's probably a less expensive ingredient you have more control over in terms of quality, right? Well, you know, it's all over the, it's really, it's all over the board. I have been to breweries where they don't make beer with the water available there. They have a reverse osmosis water generating system and and then they put specific things in this purified water and then brew with it because they want such such fine control over the water. I've seen that. I have seen breweries that just turn on the tap and they, wow. they just go, well, whatever the water is here, that's what the water is here. And that's what we're gonna make beer with and hopefully we'll figure out how to make good beer with this water. We're in between that at Kansas City Beer Company. We charcoal filter all of the water here. So to make sure we get out all of the, uh, any off flavors or aromas, but especially to remove chlorine. Chlorine, if you leave it in the water, which there is a little bit in city water, will cause fermentation, uh, bad fermentation byproducts during the fermentation and, and give your beer typically like a Band-Aid or medicinal flavor that you oh, don't yeah. want in there. And then, so we, we have a huge charcoal filter that all the water goes through. And then we actually add some calcium to the water as well, calcium chloride, calcium sulfate. And that helps with the mashing process and with the fermentation. Calcium is an important element in brewing. Yeah, so uh, going so now going from Munich, you then get the job in Kansas City, which just happened to, I mean, not fall in your lap, but but the but but the chances that you would be in Munich when Steve was looking for somebody, uh, and you happened to live in Kansas City before that was just like a crazy circumstance. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the more repeated stories around here. <laughs> it's that, a good um, one. It's a good I story. went to the Siebel program, which is actually the first two months. 
the first two months are actually in Chicago. Um, it's not all in Munich. And you do eight weeks there, eight hours a day, five days a week, uh, doing lectures and exams in Chicago. Then you go to Munich, and you're in Munich for what amounted to three, eight, eight, like 16 weeks or 17 wow. weeks. It's I, Now I forget. But anyway, then you do your, your stint in Munich. And while I was in Munich... It actually wasn't me, it was somebody else in my class noticed a job posting or a flyer on the wall of the halls of the school, the Dumans Academy in Munich. And it's in Bayerisch, which is a, a dialect of German. Um, mm-hmm. And But my friend could just make out the words Kansas City on this flyer. That's all he could read <laughs> on it. But he drew my attention to it because I was like, well, why is there something here? from, you know, can, talking about Kansas City. So I took this flyer off the wall, walked it up to the secretary of the Dumans Academy and said, can you tell me what this says? And it says, well, there's a guy named Steve in Kansas City, and he's looking for a, uh, a graduate of the Dumans Academy, the German program, not the Americanized program that I went through, to move to Kansas City and help start a German brewery or a, a brewery that would specialize in German styles of beer. And uh, so Steve wasn't looking for me when he put that up there. He was looking for a German that went through a two-year program over there um, at the Dumans Academy. But I sent him an email that night, and I said, hey, you know, I'm learning a lot of stuff about how to make good German beer over here. I already own a house in Kansas City. You wouldn't have to worry about, you know, uh, immigration or green card or... I don't know, you know, getting a work permit for anybody. You wouldn't have to worry about relocation costs. You, you know, you want to talk. And so just a complete, complete pure luck. I think we both got lucky in that I didn't have to just be out in the wind looking for a brewing job in a city that had three breweries, right. all fully staffed. And he didn't have to worry about finding somebody to, to move over here that knew something about German beer. So we were a good pair in that sense. And uh, about a year after I got out of that program, actually, I, we started working on building the wow. brewery. Talk about not looking a gift wow. horse in the mouth on either side. That's such a cool coincidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, Carlton, let's go into, like, the KC beer brewing process. Because over here, we have the Bierstadt Lagerhouse in Denver. And I know you guys are friends with them as well. And they do kind of... Um, the the uh, the difference between American and German brewing process, like they actually have like kettle systems that are from Germany. Do you guys also do the exact same thing where you import your kettles from Europe or you're still using the American process to make German beer? No, we make um, beer using nearly all of the traditional German brewing techniques that you can use. The Bill and Ashley at Bierstadt Lagerhouse, uh, formerly of Prost Brewing, um, they like to brew beer with these old classic German copper vessels. There is some science behind the effect that the copper can have in terms of when you can naturally carbonate the beer and get the right flavors from that beer. It, it could be different from using copper versus not using copper, but there's nothing that stops us at Kansas City Beer Company from using decoction, natural carbonation, um, all uh, German ingredients from uh, using German step mashing, for example, with stainless steel equipment that we bought from Vancouver, Washington, from Specific Mechanical. The equipment doesn't prevent you from using the processes um, or making the decisions to, to, that you need to make yeah. in order to get the good 
authentic German flavor. Uh, actually, since you brought them up, uh, the summer before this brewery opened, which would have been the summer of 2013, I actually went to Denver and worked for a short time at Prost Brewing Company with Bill and Ashley, who now run Beerstadt Lagerhouse. You don't say. Oh, nice. So they're, they're friends of ours for, you know, we actually know them very well. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, for our viewers, what is the main difference between that brewing process? And I have it right here because it kind of sounds like something for us in the opera world. Gekampsfurt music. But for you, it's the Reinheitsgebot process. What are kind of the main differences between that process and like an American making a Pilsner? Okay, so to, t- to talk about this, it's very important that to me anyway, that it's not imparted that, that one way is superior I do, I, so I want to emphasize up front that they're they're different, not necessarily one is better than the other. So when I describe how we would make a beer, um, it's because that's how what we believe is the best way to do it. But I I, I infer no judgment on anyone else for making other decisions. <laughs> so we strive to make beer that is as 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 authentic as possible. So if you go get a glass of Pilsner in Germany and you go get a glass of Pilsner here in our tasting hall in, in, in Waldo, we would want those two beers to be as, as close as possible to each other. So we're representing, um, here's how you can get a really fresh, delicious, well-made example of something that typically you would have to travel to get. Because German beer, by the time it makes it here and sits on our liquor store shelves, I mean, it, it, it stales a little bit. It right. starts to taste a little bit like cardboard. Um, it loses its hop character. It's not the same as getting a fresh glass of that beer in Germany. So that's what we're trying to do, give you that experience. So with that in mind, we import all of the raw ingredients from Germany. So we use only malt and hops that were grown there in Germany. That's important because these raw ingredients have a, um, I'm going to say this word wrong, but a terrar, like grape wines, Mm -hmm. uh, like wine grapes do. You can't just plant it somewhere else and expect to get the exact same thing that you get from getting it from where it's originally from, which in this case would be Germany. So there's that. There's also how we treat those grains during the mashing, eh, traditional German step mashing, which I'll save you the, the nitty gritty of. But part of that mashing is decoction. So instead of just simply raising the temperature of the mash to go from one Uh, temperature to the next during the program. With decoction mashing, you draw off a third of it, a third of the total mash, you boil it, and then you put it back into the original mash. And that's how you raise the temperature of all of it. That is a very distinctly different thing to do than just heat it up because you've now boiled a third of the mash. And that's going to release some, or create, I should say, some flavor compounds it's going to make some things more accessible to the yeast during fermentation. Uh, it's a different process. So if you don't do that, you're not going to get the same exact flavor as if you do do that. Now, some people might say, well, the, the difference is very small. Okay, fine, but we're trying to, do, we're trying to make the beer that exact. We're, you know, we're not here to cut corners. We're here to, to do it the right way. So that's a big part of it. I would also say choosing the right yeast and naturally carbonating is also very important. Natural carbonation is a big deal for us, which I don't think is hardly a big deal at any um, any other brewery. But when you 
stop letting all the gases created during fermentation leave the tank um, and you trap them inside, that's how you naturally carbonate that batch of beer. That's going to give you a different flavor than just injecting artificial carbon dioxide that you get from a CO2 plant um, somewhere around town. Yeast do not only produce carbon dioxide, there's other, other trace gases, and there's also a lot of fermentation byproducts that are going to get trapped in the beer as well that won't off-gas with the CO2 leaving. So you will get a different flavor from that. Uh, and then finally, long, cold lagering of the beer. So one of the biggest differences, I shouldn't say biggest, the other things that I just said are all important, but one other difference is between uh, how we would make a Pilsner and maybe how another brewery, not pointing fingers on anybody, I don't know how everybody makes beer, but I, I know that there are breweries out there that are not truly lagering their lagers. Really? Oh, yeah. The beer is called lager beer because uh, part of the flavor profile is created by letting it sit there exposed to the yeast for a long time at cold temperatures. That's part of it. That's part of the f how you get the right flavor. And so we don't cut that corner either. We let it sit in a big tank, very cold for a long time before we package it. Oh. It's, so it's like, it's like those companies then where they would like make a pickup truck, but it's based on a minivan base or sorry, a minivan base. So like, it's not really a truck. It's just like a minivan with kind of a different frame. <laughs> on it. Well, I don't know if you want to take it that far, but, um, but see, the, I think the point of, of all these things that I just listed is, is that, um, you'll, you'll find a brewer out there that will tell you that any one of those things doesn't make that big of a difference. And well, my Pilsner's fine and I don't do that. My Pilsner's fine and I don't do that. But you know, you either do all, in my opinion anyway, you either do all of it or or why are you doing it? Yeah, devil's in the details. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. And and it also shows because you, your, your guys' Pilsner just won uh, bronze, I believe, at the GABF. And like, so I think those subtle differences that, are, that you're doing are incredibly important to people. And I mean, that this like Pilsner category, like every brewery is making a Pilsner. So for you guys to define yourself in the category is extraordinary. So pretty awesome stuff and great that you've gone to the detail reese there will be a a, a quiz after this <laughs> podcast so i hope you took your notes sure on did. that process <laughs> uh so carlton do do you and steve do you guys go over to germany to pick the hops because i know you guys primarily use the noble hops do you go for for that harvesting season to kind of see how it's going to be or do you have someone there that you trust that's going to tell you you know what this year's hops are going to um, be like for no, you we don't travel over there to pick out any hops for for us hops is a much 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 more minor issue than a typical american craft brewery i can only think of maybe four or five different kinds of hops that we use and we get all of our hops from one small family hop farm in the hollertau region almost all of the hops that we use are, are called hollertau so cool. perlay hops uh, they're a good balanced hop uh, you typically a little bit higher in alpha acid. So that's that's the hop that we use for almost all of our bittering additions here. And then a lot of our late hop additions are, we use uh, a hop called Hollertal Middlefruit, which is probably my favorite hop, I guess. It just, it has a little bit of everything, just a little bit of spice, a little bit of flour, a little bit of fruit. It's just this very balanced, pleasant hoppiness. 
that it that it gives. It's it's not dominated by one. Yeah, <laughs> making me thirsty. The thing I like about Carlton. it, it's not dominated by one characteristic. <laughs> it's not a floral hop or a citrusy hop. It's got just a little bit of everything. So, those are the two main types of hops. We have uh, Allertal Mandarina Bavaria, which is kind of like a Cascade hop, but made in Germany, and we use that for all of the the beers that we try to make that have a little bit of like, okay, this is a German take on IPA or this is a German take on Saison. We do beers like that sometimes and we'll use that Mandarina Bavaria. Reese, do you have anything else? I'm going to move on a little yeah, I, bit. I got one question. This is a, this is big and maybe you've answered it in small increments and I'm not connecting the dots, but out of curiosity, what is the story behind KC Beer in regards to wanting to go out and make an authentic German beer style brewery and not just be another one of these craft breweries that are popping up like crazy across the country? Well, I, you know, that that's a question that you would be better off asking the, the founder of the brewery, Steve Hawley, um, but I can answer for him. Uh, to some degree. He was, he grew up in a town where a lot of people spoke German. His father spoke German. Um, There's a lot of affinity there for German culture and food and drink. And um, he was really into beer and had written a book on, for homebrew calculations or curated a book and partially authored the book. And, and he just, he just had it in his mind that there should be a brewery somewhere here in the Midwest that would give people a chance to to taste German beer like it's meant to be instead of just stale off of a liquor store shelf six month old you know bottle of of beer that was shipped over in a shipping container and got jostled and got hot and then has been sitting there for how long I mean he it really goes back to his vision that this is what he wanted to to become a reality I think that in nationwide, we were one of the very early breweries to have this sort of concept, like let's try to make a really super authentic German beer or lineup of beers. Uh, There were plenty of breweries already that were doing Belgium and doing uh, English uh, styles. So we were one of the early ones. I think Prost in Denver was also very early, and there's one in Portland called, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, but now there's a whole bunch more is where I'm getting to with this. Now there's, I don't know, there's probably 12 or 15 more that I've heard of that are really concentrating on the German styles. I think it's a winning a winning idea because they're super drinkable beers. They're beers that you can have three of or five of while you're watching a baseball game. And they, they, they have a different angle of enjoyment there. There's just very pleasant drinkable beers. That's a really good point on the drinkability factor because you see a lot of different breweries now in this kind of space race in regards to getting a lower ABV while still maintaining integrity and amount of flavor in a beer. And as you mentioned, doing something uh, like a Pilsner or your guys' Dunkel, which is just, sorry, a slam dunk, uh, (laughs) you know, that's a really fun beer to have a couple of a watch in a game. (laughs) Slam Dunkel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why we've, we've grown in volume. Um, you know, a lot compared to maybe some of the, some of the other breweries that have come along is because we're making beer that you grab a six pack of, and you might have a few of those more more than okay. Here's four ounces of something that's a, that's very intense or extremely expensive or something where you might just um, now now there might be more money in making those other beers. I don't know, but that's just not what we do. We we're we're going for. You know, Joe Sixpack. 
who wants to get a really high quality, um, authentic beer for not a lot of money. I mean, and I think it's worked well so far. Okay, Carlton, to kind of end this segment, um, tell us about the Casey beer scene and how it's evolved from when you were here. Like you said, you had like three or four breweries. Now in Kansas City specifically, it seems to be booming a lot. So tell us about the evolution that you guys have seen. And then after that, if you can uh, tell us, what are some of your favorite small breweries that have popped up and you're like, holy sh**, this is a good beer. Well, you know, it's, I can't keep track of it anymore. I cannot keep track of um, <laughs> all the different beers coming out from all the different breweries in Kansas City. I don't, I don't think I could list for you all the breweries that are around now. It just the same thing happened here that happened in every city in the country, almost every city in the whole country. Um, and I think it had something to do, at least, with the same thing that I went through, where people just absolutely loved craft beer and didn't like their job. And they decided to try to make something happen, you know, <laughs> where they could get something going, you know, that um, that they could uh, make beer instead of do whatever they were going to do. I think there's probably three or four breweries in planning right now in Kansas City. So I've kind of watched it. And, um, you know, I think that we've influenced the 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 uh, the area some because we've been more successful than most, um, if not any other recent startup in the area. I've watched some of the styles that we make get made um, that I thought, boy, I'll, I'll bet they never would have would have made a, a beer like that had not we kind of influenced the, the beer culture here in Kansas City. That's been one thing that's been interesting to me is to see breweries release like a, a Hellas or a Dunkel. I think, you know, that's that, that that's kind of nice. Uh, I guess you would say imitation is a form of flattery. I, I don't mind, you know, that kind of thing. It seems nice to me. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean... BKS artesian ales. I live on the same block as they yeah. do in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. See them sometimes, and I mean they're selling out of their beer in five minutes every Friday night. Jeez. Um, you know, I mean people are getting competitive for it, and I keep seeing posts on social media about these great-looking cans of beer from Cervais and Alma Mater, and I mean there are just so many breweries making really good beer. Of course Martin City does really well. Um, mm-hmm. they're they're definitely a bigger bigger brewery. But you know, I've got this place to worry about, uh, Casey Beer Co. I have a 5-year-old <laughs> daughter and uh, I just don't no. have time to go out and I don't have time to keep track of or go out and 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 be on top of the the beer scene. Sure. Before the coronavirus, my favorite places to go would have been Brewery Imperial. And that's Keith. He's the uh, former head brewer at McCoy's before McCoy's shut down. Really? I've known him oh. for a long time. And he's the sort of the founder and, and head brewer. There's another guy at, at Brewery Imperial that used to work at Boulevard for many, many years, Sterling. And they run that place. And I, I really like that, 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 that patio and I like their beers. Free State. I've always loved the Free State pub. I've always said, you know, I, I'm obviously I could sit here and talk about our own place all you want, but since you asked about other places, um, I've always thought that the Free State Pub on Mass Street was the best place to go to get a wide variety of really good beer. You know, they'll have a stout, they'll have a pale ale, they'll have a lager, um, they'll have all kinds of different stuff, and it's typically all really good. So Free State's always been sort of a go-to. And, you know, I don't want to you know, I can't sit here and list every brewery I've ever been to that I liked because there's so many of them, but Free State and, um, no, I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> cool. I don't want to, I don't want to name, Carlson, yeah. 
<laughs> Do you have any guilty pleasures of beer? Like you obviously specialize in Pilsner, Hellas's, Hefeweizen, and Dunkel's, but do you have a guilty pleasure of like cotton candy sour <laughs> or like triple hazy IPA with Galaxy Splash? Fruity Pebbles Bach. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, this is another one of those things where <laughs> I do not want to impart any judgment on any beer made by anybody is not how I want to come across at all. But I don't like flavors in beers. It's just not my not my thing. Fair. That's fair. But I will say if I go to the liquor store and I'm just buying something, like, okay, I'm going to try something. I think my favorite style that isn't one of ours is a Saison. Really? Yeah, like a, a regular Saison. And I also like some of the more... Um, experimental saisons and one of our seasonal offerings every year since we've started has been a saison actually a german saison that's pretty cool yeah i guess that would be my favorite style all right all right well you heard it here first guys make sure you check out casey beer co they recently just won congratulations again carlton for two medals one for their silver, um, sorry, one for their Hefeweizen. They got this silver in the Hefeweizen category, and then the bronze in the German style Pilsner category, uh, with their pure pills. So make sure to check that out. It's pretty much probably at all Kansas City liquor stores, and I would assume it's everywhere. I don't live in Kansas City anymore, but I knew it was there when I was there. <laughs> and by the way, uh, with, with the pan- pandemic, I'm sure your beer sales have actually maybe improved perhaps at liquor stores and grocery stores and all that. Yeah, so overall sales are down a little bit, say 20, 25% down overall, because 50% of our sales were draft. Mm-hmm. Really? And then 50% of our sales were what they call package beer or yeah. off-premise sales, so bottles of beer from liquor stores and grocery stores. So, you know, the draft business was, was zero for a while, and now it's right. probably half of what it was. And the bottle sales did go up a little bit, but not enough to compensate for the loss of all that loss in draft sales. Other right. breweries that had a different initial relationship between draft and bottled beer, they might have actually grown. I think I heard that Martin City actually grew a little bit. Wow. Uh, and that's because they probably had a much larger portion of their business already to begin with was the, was the package beer. Well, all all the fans out there, go out there and help Casey Beer buy these excellent beers the closest to Germany, to Munich, that you can get in Kansas City. Thank you again, Carlton, for joining us, our friend, official friend of the podcast. We hope to have you on again, maybe talk some more German beer at some point, but thanks again for being on, my man. Thank you. We'd like to thank Carlton Graham for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media, and we'd like to thank you for joining us today as well. This podcast is brought to you in part by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page over at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There, you'll find premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews, including one from Mr. Carlton Graham himself. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 